Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're also joined by Aaron Goins from Star Wars Bookworms. Aaron, welcome back. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to, good to have you back on the show. Yeah, it's good I to think, have you back. I think the last time you were on was for our review of Dark Disciple, if I remember correctly. So it's been a while. Ah. Yes, it has been a little while, but always happy to do your guys' show. It's one of the it's one of the good ones. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. So today we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 15 of Rebels, titled The Honorable Ones. But first, a quick announcement. William, yes. take it away. Thanks, Stephen. So this is actually really exciting. Um, uh, Andy uh, Uri uh, is running the Star Wars Podcast Awards. And uh, nominations are uh, oh, sorry. There are some 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 nominations have already concluded, and now the um, we're in the the, the semifinalist phase, and uh, we've been nominated for uh, best ensemble cast uh, along with uh, a number of our other you know um, uh, friends and, and, and fellow podcasters. So uh, definitely go check those out and vote. Uh, Aaron, I believe your podcast was included as well, and you were also nominated for. Uh, uh, one of the uh, best fanboy hosts, if I remember correctly. Yes, um, Star Wars Bookworms got nominated for, I think, best um, editing is a category. Yep. And then yes. uh, fanboy host, fangirl host, Teresa got nominated for fangirl host. Um, we didn't get ensemble though, because you got to have at least three hosts for that ah, one. Ah, so. okay. I, I, I missed that one, but uh, but congratulations and congratulations to all of our friends. Um, Everyone from uh, the Star Wars Report Network to uh, all the rest of them. You know, many, many, many people we have on the show all the time. There's too many to name, but go check them mm-hmm. out. Lots of fantastic people and podcasts have been uh, nominated, so go, go vote for those. And uh, the uh, every day they're putting up a new uh, uh, the nominations for a new category for voting. So uh, I want to say we're going to, what, maybe through half of the categories right now? or so but there's, there's plenty more to come and mm-hmm. uh, yeah go go vote for your favorite podcasts <clears throat> and work work for a, a couple um yep. tom you want to give our listeners a rundown of what we'll be reviewing today sure tonight we're going to be reviewing season two episode 15 the honorable ones this was written by kevin hops and directed by brad Rao. the synopsis is Zeb and Agent Callus find themselves stranded on an ice planet after a failed Imperial ambush of the Rebels. With Callus injured from the escape pod crash, he and Zeb must work together to survive in the harsh conditions. Now, I don't know if many of you out there, I know I certainly remember this, but back in 1985, there was a movie that was called Enemy Mine. It starred Dennis Quaid and Lou Gossett Jr. A very good movie, and there's a hint of that in this now i remember back for um clone wars they did a lot of theming and in this episode at this one point where callus and zeb were working together i know it's a spoiler but it still had that feeling to it so 
if you want to see a movie based on this, go check it out back from 1985 called Enemy Mine. Great movie. But we're going to get I'm into gonna, the discussion. Well, go ahead. Can I piggyback on that a little sure. bit? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Um, I actually noticed some similarities to a couple other things. I think it's just a pretty common type of story to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There was actually a really popular episode of Star Trek The Next Generation um, called Darmok. That was <laughs> almost, you know, it was just so similar to the episode as I was watching um, the honorable ones. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this is, the, the writers of this episode must have been a big fan of Darmok. So I tweeted about it. And then somebody else came back, oh, no, it's like this other episode from this. And then somebody else was like, no, it's like this movie from the 30s. So, like, there's, <laughs> wow. there's a lot of inform- or there's a lot of entertainment out there that's kind of used that whole, you know, enemies get stranded together and become friends type of mm-hmm. uh, trope. Yeah. Yeah. It, it didn't it work well in this well. case, though. Yeah. It, it really did because, I mean, it, you know, the episode's going to open with the ghost heading to the planet Geonosis. I mean, you, you got to start somewhere for these two enemies to get together. And what best place to start something like this as Geonosis. But what I found interesting about this, it looked like there was a lot of debris around the planet and some platforms. Do you think there was something going on at that planet? Well, there was always a lot of debris around mm-hmm. Geonosis. Obi-Wan and Jango Fett have their uh, big fight, you know, the... the I'm blanking. What are they called? The, oh, the, the sonic detonator thing. Yeah, yeah, the sonic detonator. That's right. Whatever There's they're a called. whole space battle in the asteroid field. Yeah. Right. Uh, but the, the spaceships were obviously new. And I I swear I've seen their design somewhere before. I, I feel like I might have been one of maybe the old X-Wings or TIE Fighter games. But I, I can probably it looks really you. So I think it's, in, it's based on some old, um, I believe it's based on some old Macquarie concept art. But more importantly, those structures are, can also be seen on Lothal. Uh, oh, okay. On the, on the planet, so you can uh, kind of to give you an idea of how Lothal is becoming more um, uh, industrial and uh, mm-hmm. kind of taking it over to, to do manufacturing and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I thought the um, the kind of ring around Geonosis that you could see from that ice moon uh-huh. was a pretty. I mean, the visual itself was amazing, but I mm-hmm. I wasn't remembering a ring around it so i don't know if it's just from that angle you can see it or maybe i'm just forgetting that there's a ring around geonosis yeah but is I, it, I believe there is but uh it's it, it was but like is a beautiful it, shot yeah mm-hmm. but it is it possible that some of the stuff might tie into what is discovered later when they get close to the planet geonosis because they did find something was was void on that planet yeah yes yeah, so that's take it steven I was gonna say so that's the the first kind of twist in the episode is as the ghost approaches the planet, Ezra notices there's no he's not getting any life forms on there. Mm-hmm. And if you may recall, Geonosis is kind of a bug fest. Yes. It's an ant hill. It's I'm running out of other bug analogies, but infested. You think there we go. That's the right word. <laughs> and they're all gone. There's no swarm. And Sorry. Rex so I'm trying to remember back because Rex made a comment um, that he had some experience on Geonosis. Um, was he part of the? Was it? I'm trying Landing to remember now. Rain. Landing at Point Rain. Was he part of that group? I believe so. Okay, that would make sense then. Yeah, I was. I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool reference, but I wasn't sure if I was tying it back to the right source. Yeah, there, there were a number of little cool references back to the Clone Wars. There was, there was that one. There was a um, Saul Guerrera. Uh, Sagarera referenced later on in the episode when, when they're talking about Onderon. But uh, 
I, I thought this whole thing was very fascinating. I was not expecting it at all. It kind of came out of left field. But it's really cool that, you know, we have this planet that we've seen in the prequels, and all of a sudden, something has happened to it, and they, the planet is basically deserted. There's no life forms on the planet at all. And, you know, one has to wonder exactly what happened. They, mm-hmm. they, they kind of hint at it in the show, but I, I believe in, was it in Rebels Recon? They say it's going to be... Uh, you know, it might be told in a in a future story. Yeah, they imply mm-hmm. it'll have a a fairly big uh, place. Yeah, the, the the only thing I could find on it uh, official at, at this point it says uh, this is this is in the StarWars.com databank. They they appended it to the Geonosis entry. It said after the Clone Wars, the Empire chose Geonosis as the construction site for the first Death Star that we knew. Uh, restricting travel to the system and sterilizing the planet's surface. Well, so I wonder if that's maybe that's just, interesting. You know, kind of a, a no witnesses thing. Yeah, well, you would think they know. would use yeah, a, a, like a a good portion of the population just to help build the Death Star, right? Exactly, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like the Geonosians are, are you know the type of guys that would be uh, flying around the galaxy um, spilling their their guts to everyone uh, and telling everyone what's going on since they one can't really speak basic except for poggle right sort of no he's more clicks still and two um i don't think i've seen we've ever seen the genotions off planet yeah that's what i was just gonna ask I th- you know if they are of a hive mind you actually think they would migrate off their planet and go somewhere else you would think they would stay close to home their nest if you want to look at it that way yeah, yeah, but it's, it's I a don't really know. cool concept. I I love the idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wasn't didn't we get that same kind of thing in the now Legends universe when it was the um what what am I thinking of that one trilogy, that one book trilogy um and I don't have it with the Dark me. Jedi Knight trilogy. I yeah the Darkness trilogy mm. were they were they basically quote unquote planet bound yeah the Killix that's what I meant were they planet bound I don't or believe did, so okay. I think they had some rudimentary form of space travel because that's how they were fighting the Chiss. Okay. But that's a story for another day. That's <laughs> yeah, another day. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Oh. In a galaxy far, far away. But anyway. <laughs> but, um, so the, yeah. So I was going to say, the ghost arrives at uh, one of the platforms. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and a dog appears. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, so, they do have dogs in Star Wars. <laughs> yes, they do. No. Uh, but the uh, the ghost arrives at one of the platforms, uh, as Steven was saying, and the crew decides to, to go aboard and, and check things out. And it turns out that they quickly discover that it's a trap set by Agent Callus. Uh, there's this, uh, this black-looking uh, uh, astromech droid... Um, who was basically, you know, opening and closing the blast doors to to trap them in, inside, uh, and we get this uh, this kind of this neat little fight where uh, some of the heroes are, are are cut off from the rest of the group, and they're trying to uh, fight their way out of the ship, and we end up in a situation where Zeb is is fighting Callus, and he tells them Zeb tells the rest of the crew, hey, get out, I'll I'll find my own way mm-hmm. to escape, which is is you know. Basically, a convenient way to get Zeb and Callus uh, in an escape pod together, 
so they could end up on the planet stranded by themselves. But I think it, it worked pretty well. Um, you know, it, it worked a- pretty well. It worked pretty well because it's something that we've heard before. I mean, take a look at uh, Empire Strikes Back, where you have Han trying to get out of Hoth base with uh, Princess Leia, and they're cut off. And it's like, look, get out of here. I'll find another way out. So, it's it seems to me it's a standard thing they're going to use in Star Wars, but it's the best vehicle to get the two of them where they need to go to advance the story plot further. Yeah, and, and there are a couple of cool shots where you had like the droids on one side, and then. Uh... Behind them, you could see that the blasters like probably three quarters of the way closed, but in the middle, you could see uh, Ezra and Kanan fighting with their lightsabers on the other side. There were some nice shots. Uh, Aaron, I think mm-hmm. you were gonna say something. Well, this is also kind of where we get our chopper moment. Every episode has like that chopper moment. <laughs> yes. And yeah. I think this one we got it a little early on because he doesn't end up being a big part of the rest of the episode because they really narrow it down, but. We get our chopper moment where we get the droid fight, which is always fun to watch with Chopper. He likes to beat up other droids. Um, this is about but, one of the better fights we've had, too, I think. Yeah, because I think yeah. he even knocked him down. Well, and there was a little bit of, like, I don't know what call it, sword play, but, like, arm play, where, you know, they're kind of dipping and dodging and trying to land the knockout punch. And then we get the chopper, you know, the line from Chopper when uh, they're trying to save Zeb, and he's kind of like, he, you know, beeps and boops, and and Ezra's like, yeah, we want him back, you know. <laughs> so obviously Chopper <laughs> was questioning, wait, do we even want to get Zeb back? So yeah, exactly, some yeah. good Chopper and, moments. And I believe Ezra even calls him um, him, him a Slimo at one point. He does. He's he like, does. He yeah. Sits there and says, "Don't of, be a Slimo." Yeah. A little bit of uh, underworld. That's why you can't let kids watch Slime. pod racing. <laughs> just it's not good for them impressionable youths yeah now how was how cool was this when they're trying to escape those platforms they had the ATT, atdp walkers mm-hmm. on the platform themselves firing and, and basically taking pot shots at the ghost while the ties are out there too it was a really cool scene and i especially like the shot of the ghost kind of coming back through the station as it TIE fighters were exploding around mm-hmm. it and things like that. Yeah. Well, it was also cool to see one of those TIE fighters take out uh, one of the ATDPs. AT, AT wow. Too many initials, man. A little convenient. but I, Yeah, a little I, convenient. I, but I appreciate the artistry of it. <laughs> like it, a fine it, wine. Yeah. Yeah. So then we get to where basically the, the you know, the... The escape pod is is traveling through space. Um, Zeb and uh, Callus are, are fighting over in, inside the pod, and they end up knocking it off course, and it ends up crash landing in a, a cavern of sorts or a pit, however you want to call it, on the ice moon uh, known as Barin. I believe that's how you pronounce it: Barin, B-H-R-Y-N. Uh, it's never, never actually stated in the film, but if you read the episode mm. guide, you can, you can get the, the moon's name. But, uh, you know, this kind of, th- this is where it, you know, the, the real story takes place, because you have Zeb and Callus trapped. And we get a nice little moment where, uh, you know, Zeb wakes up and he, he pulls Callus out of the, out of the ship. And he, he doesn't. He doesn't actually kill him. He he starts to pull out his weapon, but he decides to um, just kind of take him prisoner instead. Especially because 
Kalos is, uh, looks, his leg is severely injured, uh, probably broken yeah. in the crash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was some pretty intense stuff going on in that pod. I, even just as it was kind of plummeting to the planet and they're getting into like a fist fight within the pod, I thought that was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And you got to give it to Kalos, like going hand to hand with, you know, with Zeb. You know, he's he's obviously outmatched when it comes to hand to hand combat, and Zeb, you know, made pretty quick work of him. But um, you just that fight was really intense, and then as they're crashing, you know, and he breaks his leg, and you the 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 acting on that was great because he just he literally yells out in pain, and you believe the pain, oh, yeah. you know, like yeah. it was yeah. it was some really good voice acting there. This was not a good episode for Callus, at least no. in terms of bodily uh, harm. Well, and 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 other things too potentially, but um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, and even the shot of that of the pod crash landing on the on the planet, where you see it, um, you get the shot of Geonosis in the background, uh, with the, the icy planet below, mm-hmm. And, and the camera kind of I think it was zooms in slightly as the the pod crashes. Very nice, very well done. Yeah, now, this is a good. Should... No, go go ahead, Aaron. And oh, then sorry, I'll, I'll I was throw something out there. I was just gonna say this is a kind of another reinforcement of Zeb having a big heart mm-hmm. because we've always seen Zeb, you know, willing to just, you know, he wants to smash stormtroopers heads together, you know, he likes knocking them out and, you know, take it to the empire. But when he's given the opportunity to take out somebody who is, you know, somebody that's been chasing them down now I mean, since the beginning. Enemy. Yeah. Right. And he thinks yeah. is, is at this time he thinks is responsible for the destruction of most of his people. You know, he has this opportunity to take them out and he, he doesn't, you know, he, and he kind of says, oh, he, he blames it on, oh, I want to beat you in honorable combat, so I have to wait till you heal. But really, it's because he really doesn't want to kill somebody like that. You know, he's he does yeah. have a big heart. Right. Well, it's, in this case, it would be almost like cold-blooded murder. You know, even though he probably could get away with it because they were the only two on the planet. And here's the other thing. Since they're both on the planet and Zeb was able to find a busted transponder, if do you really think if the transponder didn't work, would the Imperials try and go looking for Callus? Because Callus, I think, had the impression that they would look for him. You know the ghost is going to look for Zeb. But yeah, would the Imperials Callus, actually be looking for Callus? I mean, they obviously did, based on the end of the episode. Well, but, because well, of the transponder. Not, uh, not exactly, right? So there was the, one, there was the transponder, which led them to him. Two, while it's right. actually not shown in the episode, according to the guide, uh, in the script... Callus was actually picked up by uh, an independent trader who then took him to the Empire. Because apparently the Empire has this policy where if you're gone for a, a certain amount of time, they just stop looking for you. Well, that's lovely. Wow. So while it was never explicitly stated in the episode, um, they didn't actually look for him at all. It was, uh, he just got lucky because someone happened to be passing by. And that, that's kinda... the thing that I got out of it too is they weren't going to go look for him. And that kind of ties in really well with the way the episode kind of ends. I know we're not there yet, but we're kind of talking about this, um, you know, where the difference between, you know, Zeb's friends came and found him, uh-huh. and Callus sees that, but then he is kind of left, you know, to fend for himself by the Empire, and then when he does come back, he sees the, I uh, forget the, the character's name that he sees, Constantine. and he's kind of uh, like, hang yeah, on. Constantine... Yeah, Admiral Constantine. And, and he's like, hey, you know, I'm back, you know, kind of thing. And the guy's just like, oh, 
nice, you know, whatever. You know, like kind of, and then you see Callus kind of go sit on his bunk and he's like a little bit sad, like he needs a friend because mm-hmm. it, he's starting to realize that he doesn't really mean much to them at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other I, thing I really liked about... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to ask, you know, um, do you guys think we'll see Callus begin to change and maybe maybe yes. kind of realize the rebels are are actually the good guys here? You you honestly took that question right out of my mouth, William, because I was going to ask the same thing. Um, I you know what I think, and I'm gonna I agree with Stephen. Yes, I think this is a point in which he's going to start questioning the Empire. Yeah, and the thing that really stands out to me is going off of what Aaron was talking about. It's not only that Callus gets back and no one even missed him or cared that he was gone. Like you look at like Zeb comes back, he comes to his bunk, he's got his friends there. Mm-hmm. Callus comes back, no friends. He goes into a room, and it could literally be any person's room. The only thing closet. in, yeah, yeah, like the only thing in there that is now uh, unique to Callus is the rock that he brought back from the planet. Yeah, like that. I felt like that said everything you need to know about how that, how they feel. Yeah, and I think in this case, what what will cement it even more is. There's an honor. He's almost like he he has the same kind of warrior honor spirit as Zeb does, and I think he's finding out that the Empire really doesn't have that. They're just fighting, and and there is something that was mentioned earlier when it came to uh, Lasan. It Callus didn't Callus didn't go there to wipe out the race, if I understood that correctly. He basically just went to go do his job. It wasn't meant to wipe out the Lasan uh, Lasat. So, mm-hmm. so, can we talk a little bit about the the retconning that's going on right now? Yeah, because yeah, I go think, ahead. I think that they're really trying to set us up for Callus switching sides. I think that's what this whole episode is about. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't think that was the original even, intent? I don't. I don't think that was the original intent. And kind of part of my part of the reason behind that is the introduction to Callus to us. Um, you know, I think in a lot of the material, like the video, his introduction video and, um, things, things like that. But I, I'm actually looking at the Star Wars Rebels visual guide right now mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. his story about how he obtained that, uh, bow rifle. It's always been yes. that he took it off the body of someone, you know, he, he basically, he took it as a trophy. That's the way uh-huh. it's always been said. It's never been, mm-hmm. It's never been a what if or like maybe that's what happened. I mean, it's it's stated right here in the visual dictionary. Right, um, that's I can what I read it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he I, said, it says right here, um, he took part in the destruction of Zeb's homeworld on Lasan and took his signature Lasan bow rifle from there. It is a trophy from a fallen Lasat honor guard who he defeated in battle. Mm-hmm. And I mean, okay, so, I guess you, could, uh, you could still spin that that fits sort of. If exactly, I, but the word you just used there, spin. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's it's it yeah. was well, it doesn't well, seem like the intent was for this, but I think as the story was going on, they saw this opportunity, and I think this episode is the beginnings of you know turning him to the to the good side. I you mean, could, yeah. you could I, also say that that was that was his story that he told the Empire, and this was the true story that he told Zeb, because oh, Zeb yeah. is honor bound. And See, this, was, this Lasat was on a bound as well. So anyway, go ahead, Stephen. I was, I was getting something slightly different. I was getting the sense that uh, Callus participated in the fight. Happened to didn't he say he got knocked out during the fight as well? Or am I misremembering? 
Uh, no, Zeb got uh, Zeb had told uh, was, told us in uh, a previous episode that he was knocked out during okay. the attack on. Sorry, yes, I must, I must that is correct. He was knocked too. out. But anyway, so what I was going to say is the way I was taking it from Callus as he's describing it is he participated in the battle, he did some great stuff, and then the Empire kind of props him up as this hero, like ah, the butcher of Lasats. You know, he shows up on the posters, he gives speeches at the academy, and Callus. On the one hand, knows he's not, you know, this person. He he fought honorably. It was, you know, he was given this, you know, wonderful gift from the defeated warrior, etc. But on the other hand, the Empire is telling him he's a hero, and he wants to be a hero, and he kind of goes along with it, and that's how the story gets created. And I think you're right. That's probably not how they originally intended it, but I think that felt like the spin they're going with now, mm-hmm. right? To make it work. And I, th- and I think Stephen, what you're referring to is. Um, his other story that he told when he that, actually yes. came up against uh, a Lasat who was, you know, working for Saul Guerrera and was uh, like a mercenary, I guess, and was basically yes. mercilessly killing right. Imperials as they were injured. So, so he was kind of sh- showing Zeb that, yeah, sure, you have a you have a negative outlook on the Empire because of things that individuals in the Empire have done, but I also have an, a negative outlook on Lasat's. Because of this character that I came across, who you know killed all of my friends who were injured, right. so I liked that backstory because it starts to give you a little bit of insight into why he why he kind of hates uh, Lil Sots and and kind of mm-hmm. takes it out on Zeb. It seems like because he he's had this bad experience. Yeah, That's true, it, but it Zeb really... does come back and say Zeb comes back and says that not all Lasat are the same, right. and then even Callus comes back and it's like. You know, in a way, not all Imperials are the same. Yeah. I, I really I, liked how they made... They made Kallus more human in this episode. Yes. Yeah, you know, they did. More, Big more, time. more three-dimensional. He wasn't just this guy who's always coming after him and trying to kill him. And, uh, I really liked what they, what, they, what they did with him. And, mm-hmm. and it, it's easier kind of to relate to him now. Even though he he's done some bad things, it's, you know... He's a lot more of an interesting character, and um, there was a discussion earlier today on on Twitter about which character do you think has grown the most uh, and changed the most in Rebels. And initially, I was th- I was thinking, yeah, probably Kanan, right? But I don't know. Like, if if this continues, I would say that Callus has probably had the most character growth uh, of, of the characters. Mm-hmm. I'd say I'd say Ezra's in the running on that one, but. Um... Yeah, you know, considering sure. where he came from and how mm-hmm. you know how far he's gone, um, but yeah, I could I could definitely see what you're talking about with cows. Well, here's a question, Stephen. I think you brought up that maybe they're doing this to kind of turn um, Callus toward the rebels. Do you think that instead of him turning to the rebels, he would just walk away? Uh, see, I was I was about to change my uh, I don't want to say story, but what I <laughs> hope happens. And you just hit the nail. I actually don't want Callus to turn to the good side. I want Callus mm. to be the the good Imperial, because uh. this is something we they're kind of trying to imply in this episode is, hey, you know, rebels aren't all you know, I'm gonna say scumbags, but you know, right. rebels aren't all bad. Neither the Empire. The Empire is good people too. There right. are heroes and, on both sides. Evil is everywhere. There you go. And you know, the episode like. I think Zeb is trying to learn that, oh, you know, Kallus isn't that bad of a guy. 
And it kind of falls flat for us because, like, okay, yeah, Kallus isn't that bad. Of course, that means he's going to turn into a rebel because the Empire is full of bad people. And I would mm-hmm. love to see something a little more uh, nuanced, a little more gray. It kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of uh, Claudia Gray's Lost Stars, Excuse me. where, um, you know, the, the yes. rebel, I'm trying to look up his name now. I've had the, the oh. Imperial officer, I'm trying to look up her name. Uh, is, the, um, the, the two friends, the boy and the girl. Yeah, I'm trying to look. I'm trying to, oh, crap, I can't remember. Thane, I think Thane was Thane. one of them. Yeah, Hang on oh, a yeah. Thane and uh, I'm, I'm pulling it up. But anyway, um, I, I think it's a lot more like a lot more like that, where you do have that good Imperial. It was Thane, Kyrell, and Sienna. Sienna Ree. Sienna. So I think it's more of a Sienna type situation where, you know, she's she's an Imperial, but she's still she's still good, right? If you you go as far back as you know the Thrawn trilogy with Admiral Pallion, you know. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's oh, yeah, where I'm hoping they go. Cool. I think that but could be I, uh, very sad. But I, I have a feeling where Callus is at this point, I don't know if he could be effective being like the quote-unquote good Imperial because he's too close to uh, Tarkin. Tarkin, we already saw that if you don't do your job, you're gone. I mean, look what he did to those two officers on Lothal. I don't think they would put Callus in that kind of a position. And the same thing with the governor uh, of of uh, Lothal as well, they get rid of the ones that are, quote unquote. Well, the two imperial officers were incompetent, but that um, um, Les, uh, the who am I thinking of the the blonde the the blonde character on Lothal? She was going to give information to the rebels, and they took care of her. I don't think Callus would end up that way. I would rather just see him, you know, walk away. I mean, I like the character. I don't want to see the guy get blown up. So, yeah. I don't know. It's very interesting, but it, it, it it's kind of cool to see how you know. You always think that you always think that Callus knows everything that's going on. He's kind of like the the evil bad guy who's all powerful, and not quite mm-hmm. as bad as the Inquisitor, but you know he's he's up there. Um, and I thought it was interesting one, too that mm-hmm. that Zeb didn't like. Tell tell the rest of the crew that he even was with Callus. You know yes. that would have been because I think he was maybe afraid. You know he he had built this bond with Callus, but if he had told Kanan, hey, you know the guy that's been hunting us down for two seasons is sitting around that corner over there, uh, mm-hmm. Kanan might have taken the opportunity to take him out. So um, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting that Zeb didn't share that information. Well, yeah, I think very... Zeb even tried to convince him that he would probably get a fair trial. Oh, he did? If he yeah. were to... Yeah. And I think... And even Callus was under the impression, well, if the Imperials catch you, we'll try and give you a fair trial as well. That, we know, does not work within the Imperial regime. The Rebels, maybe. Not right. the Imperials. I'm really curious, though, to see where this bond goes. Because they... You know, they clearly now respect each other. And when they when they mm-hmm. when they leave, they kind of kind of bow to each other and, and that sort of thing. And they have this mutual respect now. Instead of a hatred, they have this. They they know that the other one isn't quite as bad as they as they originally thought, and they were able to overcome their their differences. Uh, it, it's almost it's almost as if they're two soldiers who are just doing their job. Yeah. And and they respect each other for that. They're in a situation to where this is what I'm supposed to do, 
and you know i i've got to do it yeah it just and it's inevitable they'll meet again you know it's not oh yeah he's i mean but they're both character i mean zeb's on almost in every episode and callus is the main villain that they've come up against probably even more so than the inquisitor um so i think yeah it's going to happen where they're they're going to cross paths again and to see that interaction now is going to be so much more interesting you know because does zeb try to save his life you know when a rebel is trying to take him out you know does he does he let the rebels know hey he's good don't kill him kind of thing you know so it'll be yeah. it'll be really cool to see that next meeting i am curious though yeah. so we're, we're we're getting very close to the end of the season i think there's uh what a rumored four more left yeah four episodes and that includes the, the two yeah because the last episode's two hour uh two-parter yeah so if if that is indeed the case, and we have uh, four episodes left, um, and I think a lot of it will be taken up by a certain hooded character that we saw in the trailer, and uh, you know, Darth Vader and Ahsoka and the Inquisitors, I'm worried we might not get as much Callus the rest of the season. Uh, maybe he'll be in it in a more maybe maybe they will figure out a way to work him in. But I don't know. Do you think they're gonna? <laughs> save more more of the story for next season or or will they try to progress it a bit more i bet the i bet we don't get the payoff until uh future next season probably Mm -hmm. we might see a piece of it in the finale i could see a piece of it in the finale you know vader and the inquisitors are back and they're about to defeat the rebels and oh cal saves the day and makes that final Hmm. change yeah that's, that's true but i feel like it'd be more a small part it wouldn't be a yeah i don't, I don't feel need... like i don't think like you get a lot of time for the kind of stories we're, we're speculating here where maybe he's helping the guys from the inside or something or mm-hmm. i don't know i don't think callus would be that way anyway i think you know Again, he would play in style style yeah 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 so we'll, we'll see we'll see but, uh, you know, we I, I was going to say, yeah, well, not to interrupt, but we kind of jumped all over the place. We were talking about Callus, but we completely forgot. You got the two of them stuck in a hole to try and get out. And there are some beasties down there that are trying to eat them during this whole actually great exchange between the two characters. But, you know, to move the plot forward, they had to get out of the hole. And these big creatures called Bonzami. Yeah, which yeah. I believe is, is basically... Um... It, it, it's based on the on Zamboni, which is the you know, which are the machines that clean like ice rinks and that sort of thing, um, because of the the style of these, these creatures. That makes sense. But uh, that's funny. Yeah, they're they're basically like giant dinosaurs, uh, snow dinosaurs. A little bit of uh, Zillow Beast in them, I think. Maybe yeah. a little bit smaller, but or maybe basically, Kaiju everything's from Zillow Beast now, I guess. But. Uh... <laughs> They were very bird-like. I, was, I kind of I was reminded of a couple things with them. I was thinking they look kind of like dodo birds, and I, they also look look like maybe the some similar to the uh, what was that metal beaked thing on Jakku that's like hammering away at the metal oh. every time. Oh yeah. I, think it was <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what those things look like when they get big. I think it was something fairly a very simple name, but you're right. Steel beaks. Yeah. Steel beaked. Yeah. 
Um, that was the I first was, thing I thought of, but then I looked up an image of it, and I was like, oh, they don't really look that much like it, but they just had those big, sharp beaks that I guess made me think of that. The one thing that was surprising about their design, at least in terms of like the what the, what the data bank said versus the episode, um, was I think the data bank mm-hmm. said they had a, like a white fur, but it didn't look like they had fur. To me, it looked like it was more of a leathery mm-hmm. hide. Yeah, I don't think I saw fur on that at all. Interesting. Not that it's really a... I'll go back and watch it again. Could be the animation style. It's hard to... Yeah. The, the animation style for Rebels is very smooth and uh, plasticky looking, so it might be hard to yeah. make something look like it's furry. <laughs> it's yeah. yeah. But, but the, these creatures do give us a, some some fun uh, fight scenes where they basically have to... Callus and, and Zed have to work together to take down these creatures. First, you know, there's the, the first time when uh, the creature appears initially, and then again when they're trying to escape, you know, they throw all their stuff up the up and out, out the, the hole the, in, the, in the ceiling, and uh, they start trying to, to climb up the pillars, and the, the Bonzami come again. This now, that was, very, that was very interesting how they were able to escape, because they did figure out they had to work together to get out. It was actually Callus that told Zeb it had to be done. But Zeb taking the the Lasat weapon and using that as a splint on Callus's leg and then basically knowing how to get that little spike out of it. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was kind of interesting to throw him up into the ice and that spike just landing at the right spot with enough force to basically hold Callus and Zeb so they could swing out of the hole. Very that interesting news. Yeah, that was the one part I didn't like because that was the hardest thing for me to grasp. The, mm-hmm. you know, it just seems so unrealistic that something like that could actually happen. That you could throw a human body up into ice and a spike would stick into the ice and hold their weight. I don't know. It just mm-hmm. that was the one part where I had to really suspend my disbelief. Yeah. Thankfully, yeah, after, after, after you know, a very short period of time, it started to actually fall out of the ice, which made it a little Makes bit better, sense. but still, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you there, Aaron. Yeah. This whole yeah. fight with the um, the bird creatures, I don't remember what they're called, um, It this was the moment where we, we kind of got the moment when they left the pod where Zeb had his chance. If he wanted to take out Callus, he could have. And this was the moment that Callus had the chance to take out Zeb. Because mm-hmm. Callus had the gun, he actually at one point trained it on Zeb, mm-hmm. and then trained it on the animal, and then trained it back on Zeb. It was almost like he was trying to make a decision: do I, do I keep this guy alive to help me survive, or do I take him out now that I have a chance to shoot him in the back? So it was kind of interesting to see uh, both of those characters faced with the same dilemma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and both times they made the decision to to spare them, and uh, instead of taking him out and choosing. The quick and easy path. Yeah, yeah. and I, I do like that. I'm sure they both can justify it in different ways. So Zeb's like, ah, it's not a fair fight. It's not honorable. And other hand, Cal's like, oh, I need him to survive, so I'll, I'll do it later. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, once they make that decision, it lasts for the rest of the episode and beyond. Yeah. The, this scene and the one earlier where Zeb's trying to climb out of the cave by himself. There's the one other piece that we we mentioned earlier. Uh huh. So there, so there's the the two parts, right? Where um, uh, Zeb tries to climb out of the cave as well, and I, both of mm-hmm. those I think are, are examples of 
I don't know. I guess I was surprised by just how how well Zeb could climb up the walls successfully, you know, just with with his bare hands. Um, so you really get a sense of how, I guess, how alien he is in some ways, where he can he can cling onto these walls even when he's almost upside mm-hmm. down. He was able to gotta use have... his feet to hold on to Callus and you know swing him up with during that whole um, sticking the spike in the in the ice ceiling scene. Kind of kind of interesting there. Mm-hmm. Zeb is a lot more uh, agile than you'd expect. Agile and in... strong. Yeah. I yeah. think we get a scene in, I think it's sometime in season one, where we get to see Zeb kind of go straight up a wall, almost like Spider-Man. Um, yeah, oh yeah, in, you're, right. you're right. On Lothal, where I think it might have been the episode where they were trying to take out the, the walkers. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he kind of climbs right up the side of the wall. So I remember that scene. So when he was doing it in the cave, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot he kind of, he can do that. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was very cool. Steven, I, th- I think you, you wanted to reference something from earlier in the episode. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, the, the other piece that we missed is the, I'm going to call it the friendship stone. Which ah, is, there you go. It's close enough. Uh, yeah. So they, they obviously rigged up this power thing to keep them warm, and then, oh, it's, it's getting cold again. Now what do we do? And so uh, Zeb manages to find a meteorite, which at first I thought was going to have a little more... Uh, I don't. I thought it was gonna be more important that it was because it was obviously different from the environment, and it keeps them warm. And this is the stone that Callus takes back with him as a memento of his time on the planet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a little convenient. That they just happen to have a stone that provided both light and warmth. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and and so I was I was hoping it was gonna be something interesting because Callus was like, oh, it might be part of a meteorite, and I was like, yeah. oh, maybe yeah. it's a pool, maybe it's like a force sensitive rock. I don't know. Yeah. It was it was just a heat rock that was out of nowhere. It was just there. Yeah, there there were a number of little nice touches in in, in these scenes. The the ones where they're just sitting around the, the I guess the campfire for lack of a better word talking. Um, you know there was there was one moment where Zeb, Cal uh, Callus is, is warming himself next to the heater. I think it was the heater at this point, not the rock. And Zeb walks up and like just pulls the heater towards him and sits down. Uh, you know, kind of away from Callus. Uh, and then there was another moment where um, uh, I think near the end of the episode, they they're both asleep, and uh, they wake up and they were kind of like huddling against each other for warmth, and they kind of look at each other like, "Oh, geez, I don't want to, I I don't like <laughs> you," and they 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 kind of jump away from each other. <laughs> I like the scene where uh, Zeb cracks a joke about, you know, oh, I thought Geonosis was a desert planet or whatever. <laughs> or I thought it'd be hotter than this. Um, yes. And it just goes right over Callus's head, like, you know, he doesn't realize Zeb's joking, and he, mm-hmm. he kind of calls him out on it. Like, yeah, I, mean, I just thought it was it was a funny moment. Yeah, he basically says, you know, I can't believe you were ever able to best me based on how, you know, stupid you are. So, yeah, and then Zeb's like, get a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was the one thing about this episode is it was great acting between both of the voice actors to pull this off. And at the same time, it showed within the actual animation that it was done very well. Mm-hmm. So it was a good show. Yeah, yeah. I I, yeah. I enjoyed it. It. it was it was a little bit more um, – it was more slow-paced, but it was great character development on both Callus and Zed. And I think it, it will have major ramifications on the rest of the series. Uh-huh. 
it, I, to me, I, I understand the slow pace, but I don't think it was that slow. No, I no, think no, no, no. And, and that, to be clear, I don't mean it's slow. I mean it's a, it's, yeah. it's a slower pace than like the you know nonstop action we, we get in, in right. a lot of these episodes, which I actually really I, I, I got it now. Yeah, refreshing change. Yeah, yeah. It 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 moved at a very good clip, but for the for the purpose of the story, it didn't go slow enough, but it didn't go fast enough. It just moved at the right amount of speed for the story. The, these are the type of episodes that make me really wish that we. This was what the like last. Not the. I mean, last couple of episodes have been good, but the second half of the season should have started with. Like all these sorts of more impactful, character-driven episodes should really not be coming at the very end. I feel. Mm-hmm. I, I think they did. They try to do some of that, but I think the the execution is definitely better in Homecoming, and yes. uh, the honorable ones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are we up for ratings? I think so. We good? Yeah. yeah. I think okay. we pretty much covered everything. I, I think we did. And, and I think normal, we jumped was, all over the Yeah, that's good. But it's always nice to have an episode where we can have these kind of discussions and not really be forcing it and work through it. And this was one of those episodes in which everything worked out perfect at a good pace, just like the story itself. <laughs> so, yeah. Aaron, would you like to go first? Uh, sure. Is it out of 10? I always forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yes. out of 10. All right. Um, so this is probably my favorite episode so far this season. Um, it's just really... I, I felt like as the season was going on, it was kind of hit and miss with the episodes, and I was kind of losing some of my enthusiasm on Star Wars Rebels and kind of waiting. I guess, you know, you see the trailer that they released with all this cool stuff that's going to be coming, um, I guess, in the kind of probably in the finale. Um, so I'm kind of really anticipating that and kind of almost as these other episodes are coming in, they almost feel like filler at this point. Uh, so this was a nice surprise. I, and I really like the character of Callus. I've always liked him as a character, and I really am a sucker for the the bad guy turns good type stories. So I really, really like this one. Um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to give it eight Womp Rats. Awesome. Cool. And let's see, what am I going to do with these Womp Rats? I think I'll just leave them down in that cave, huddled around one of those meteors, uh, you know, roasting marshmallows. That works. I like that. Okay. It works. Uh, who wants to go next? Ooh, let's see. I can go next. Okay. So yeah, I I think I have to agree with Aaron. I thought it was a really solid episode, and it it felt like the kind of filler. I don't even want to call it filler, but like the character driven episodes I expect in around the mid season, where it's like, okay, we don't want to like do too much momentum towards the end of the season or at the beginning of the season. So we'll make these more character focused episodes that kind of set everyone up for the end. And it it's a great episode, and it you know this was kind of like we were talking about at the beginning, like a tried and true trope. You know, put the hero and the villain together and see how they learn to appreciate each other or respect each other at least. I just wish it came at a more opportune time, but mm. it was a really good episode, and so I can't say like I didn't enjoy it because I definitely did. Um, so I think I, I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. And uh, so my seven Womp Rats, they're actually going to throw a surprise party for Callus in his room like right after the episode ends to welcome him home. <laughs> yes, He's, that is awesome, Steven. That's great. Well, that, that's amazing. where they were. If that's anyone great. needs a surprise party at this point, it's Callus. 
Yeah. yeah. Complete with Womp Rats. That's, that's Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't be better. Okay. okay. Um, William, I'll go next, or why don't you go last? Okay. Okay. Um, I enjoyed this episode. In fact, the funny thing is I'm probably going to give it a very – I'm going to give it a nine off the bat. I thought the execution of the story was great. I do – agree and this is probably why i'm giving it the nine i really wish it was a little bit sooner than coming in now toward the end of the season um it it, it, to me i wouldn't say it was flawless i almost well if it was flawless i would have given it a 10 biggest thing is is where it was yeah where it was placed had its issues but I really like how the characters bounced off of each other. I like the writing for this episode. I like the directing for this episode. And I really enjoyed this episode. So that's why I'm giving it a nine. I am taking my nine Womp Rats. I'm going to leave them on the planet. But I'm going to give them enough tools to where they can fix the escape pod and get out. So I'm going to be nice to them this time. Because the last time I think I came up with this, the worst way to torture them. And I figure I... I'm running out of ideas to torture, so I'll give them tools to where they can fix the escape pod and they can go somewhere else. That's so, nice. That's good. Yeah. Callus yeah. and uh, Zeb could have used them. Could have roasted them over an open fire. Uh, well, them for food. I wasn't going to go with that, but I mean, <laughs> that's certainly a valid option. I meant to help fix the ship, but you know. Okay. Roasting over an open fire is a, is a valid option, too. And actually something I should have thought of, but oh well. Um, okay. <laughs> let's see. I, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to echo everybody else's thoughts. I think this was a, a, a really enjoyable episode. Um, you know, it, they did a great job developing Zeb's character and Callus's Kallus, character. And I really can't wait to see where they go from here now that they've kind of had these two reconcile and, and maybe even become, I hesitate to use the word friends, but they have a mutual respect at least. Um, that you know allowed them to kind of let each other go, basically. Uh, and and I, I'm very curious to see what 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 Callus ends up doing. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm gonna give this uh, nine Womp Rats out of ten, just like Tom. It's pretty rare when Tom and I give the same uh, same score. It, it is very rare. And uh, these Womp Rats, um, they uh, you know. I'm sure you're wondering where the uh, the Bonzami come from. Uh, they're just Womp Rats who have uh, lived on uh, on this Genosian moon of Barin for, for too long, and eventually, uh, you know, I think I think they probably ate all of the uh, the travelers who landed on on the on the on the moon, and eventually grew to be that big. Mm-hmm. See. You know, look, you look at a planet like Tatooine. Yeah, you've got tons of womp rats. But you've also got yeah. people who shoot womp rats, which keeps the population in check. Exactly. They That's get too big, true. they get easier to shoot. It's You know, you don't get this problem. What, next, yeah, what next happens when you leave womp rats unattended? And, and after that, you'll have a crate dragon. And, you know, it just goes from one thing to it's another. Just... Exactly. <laughs> There's a real wow. problem in the older days on Tatooine. Indeed. Oh, okay. Well, coming up... So in this the... case... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to lead it. Uh, no, I was going to lead it right into no, you. Go ahead. Thanks, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Coming up on the next episode of Ion Cannon, we have our review of Shroud of Darkness, which is season two, episode sixteen. We're uh, coming up there on on the end. Um, in this episode, Kanan, Ezra, and Ahsoka return to the Jedi Temple on Lothal, 
seeking answers from Yoda about the Inquisitor's ability to continually track the Rebels. Uh, and uh, we get a little bit more from um, uh, the, the Lucasfilm press release. Seeking the advice of Yoda, who is once again voiced by Frank Oz, the three will experience powerful visions that reveal the future of the past and old friends long gone. So this one looks really, really good. We've got Ahsoka, we have Yoda, we have visions, we have some sort of you know, Jedi protectors or something. Uh, the Inquisitors will be in this episode. Uh, maybe even hints of Darth Vader, so lots to but look forward to. We've seen those Jedi protectors before, correct? We saw them. Uh, they were, yeah, the... they showed up in Clone Wars. Yeah, right. So the question is: Are these actual Jedi protectors real, or are they visions? I suspect that's going to be interesting. Visions, but I mean, who knows? Okay. Right? Because this really? is a Jedi temple. Uh-huh. Okay, mm-hmm. and to, and to throw this out there. What do you guys think of the Yoda that we now see in Rebels compared to what we've seen before? Because you saw him in the commercial. It's kind of I, jarring, Yeah, I think, because he's Agreed. so different from what we know, from especially from the Clone Wars. We got so used to that version of Yoda, and even the voice, like hearing Tom Kane do Yoda, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. hearing Frank Oz. And I think I, I think I remember talking about this the first time we heard Frank Oz come back. But it just it didn't sound right to me anymore because I'm used to the movie version of Yoda to sound like Frank Oz, and I'm used to the animated version to sound like Tom Kane. And so when I see an animated version that sounds like Frank Oz, it's it's really messing with my head. <laughs> Your brain can't reconcile the two. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's well, it'll be interesting to see that next week yeah. to see more of him than just that little clip we've seen. Yeah, and uh, spoiler alert: since uh, we're recording this episode late. Uh, next week is actually tomorrow, so in uh, 24 hours we will know. Wow, what happens? Very true. Perfect. Hey, Aaron, thanks for joining us on this episode. It was great to have you on again. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a fun conversation. Like I said, that was one of my favorite episodes. So I'm glad you guys had me on for this one, and um, I'm really looking forward to the rest of Rebels this season. I think there's some really cool stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I- and we'll have you on again. So, well, Anytime. You. Thanks for joining. Yep. Do you want to plug your uh, your podcast and uh, uh, your Twitter and everything? Sure. Uh, Star Wars Bookworms is a podcast that I do with uh, Teresa Delgado, and we basically review all the books and comics, um, kind of not really as they come out, but kind of as we get to them. <laughs> There's so much stuff coming out right now that it's nearly impossible to keep up with everything, uh, but. You know, we we do a monthly show, sometimes more than that, and um, all about the the books and comics. So if you haven't checked us out yet, we would love for you to check us out. Awesome. Definitely. Very cool. And once again, remember to vote for uh, all your favorite podcasts, including Aaron's podcast and and ours, uh, in the uh, the Star Wars Podcast Awards, uh, which is currently running right now. Congratulations to uh, all the nominees. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spin-off films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncannoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. 
You can also get in contact with us by emailing contact at ioncanoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production of fans by fans and is copyright 2015.